Welcome to The Body Nerd Show. I'm your host, Alexandra Ellis, and after a decade in the fitness industry, I've finally cracked the code on how you can build sustainable strength without getting hurt. I'm a coach, writer, yogi, kettlebell devotee, lover of lifting heavy things, and 100% a body nerd. So stick with me, and I'll teach you how to make body maintenance and movement mastery a fundamental part of your wellness routine. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back. You're listening to episode 185 of the Body Nerd Show. And on today's episode, I'm joined by physical therapist Brody Sharp, and we're talking about why it might be okay to run or work out when you're injured, why rest, ice, and anti-inflammatories are not the best first step for an injury and what you should do instead, and how to get back into your workouts without making it worse. Now, you might remember Brody from episode 101, and he has been very busy since we talked last time. Brody Sharp is a physiotherapist from Melbourne, Australia. He's the host of the Run Smarter podcast and owner of the Run Smarter Physiotherapy Clinic, which is an online physio clinic dedicated to treating runners. He just started his YouTube channel and he even wrote a book that is so full of really helpful and tangible and practical information that you can start using right now. He is full speed ahead on his mission to help educate runners and help them make smarter training decisions. And we are absolutely on the same page that just because you have pain doesn't mean you need to give up your activity, doesn't mean you need to avoid it at all costs, but the smarter choices and better choices, the next steps that you can take to allow you to keep doing that activity you want for ever, if you want to. The recommendations he shares are always based in the latest research findings, so you can trust that this is the stuff your run-of-the-mill GP is probably not talking about. And we talk about it in the episode too, but his new book, Run Smarter, it's available everywhere. And like I said, it has a ton of great tips on how to manage your injuries, but also how to build up your training intensity without worrying about getting hurt. So enough of me rambling on. Here is my conversation with Brody Sharp. Thank you so much, Brody, for being here with us today. Um, Since we've already been together, we already know what you like to get nerdy about, but what's like one of the last things that you just learned that you are now nerding out about? I have been having some very interesting conversations on my podcast about diet and inflammatory diets and pain and that sort of stuff. And so I've had a deep dive the last couple of weeks into that and what emerging research is showing. It's, yeah, it's been extremely fascinating. Oh man. So is like sugar definitely off the menu? We probably shouldn't be having sugar. Not a lot of it anyway, <laughs> unfortunately. I know. I know. Well, what about alcohol too? Cause that's another one. I feel like alcohol, caffeine and sugar, they're like, good for you, bad for you, good for you, bad for you. Small doses, none. Like yeah. where do we land with that? I'm not entirely sure about alcohol. Like say I work with runners and not a lot of them drink a lot of alcohol or it's not really a main part of their, I guess, day-to-day sort of stuff, but the the fatty foods, the fast foods, the sugars, like they crave those sorts of things after runs. And so it's definitely something that I've been diving more into. So I can't say too much about the alcohol. You mean, so all the stuff that tastes so good. I mean, I already know this stuff too, but then when research is like, yeah, yeah, like you really shouldn't be eating that cake and the, you know, the highly processed sugars and all that all the time. I'm like, so disappointing. Yeah, just not all the time. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. 
Uh, but also very disappointing. Right. <laughs> you just like totally deflated my blue side. I totally had like chocolate with lunch because like, I mean, it's good. It's good. But yes, I think everything in moderation and I would say including running, but I know for runners, that's not a thing that <laughs> will apply. So I know you spend a lot of your time working with injured runners. And I think something that comes up often with honestly anyone who has an injury and then they go to see their healthcare provider, they tell them, stop doing that thing that's creating pain. So I know you have like a little bit of a different approach, which I'm 100% here for. So can, can you run when you're injured? And what would that look like if it's different? Sure. I would say for most mild to moderate injuries, you can still run but we need to pay attention to the characteristics and pay attention to the symptoms to see if what you're doing is currently working or not. And so what I like to say when it comes to an injury, so every muscle ligament joint in the body has a certain capacity and it can withstand a certain amount of exercise or a certain bout of activity before it becomes overloaded. People know that's like when you go for a run, if you haven't run before, you can probably tolerate, you know, 20 to 30 minutes of easy running. But if you try and run a marathon in a week's time, you're most likely going to get injured because mm-hmm. you've exceeded the capacity of those particular structures. So the idea when you are training is to train within what we call your adaptation zone, that nice sweet spot between it's challenging enough to stimulate the body and say, this is different, this is hard, but it's enough to sort of get stronger without breaking down. So that sweet spot. But when you're injured, your capacity diminishes. It's sensitive, it's sore, and you won't be able to tolerate the the loads that you could previously withstand. But important to know that that capacity isn't zero. So complete rest is probably not the best for you. We need to try and establish and find out what that new adaptation zone is and train within that and then build it back up to pre-injury capacity. And that's usually the role of rehab, like providing you some strength exercises and providing you with some cross-training guidance and running guidance. And that's essentially what we do. But finding that particular adaptation zone, that new adaptation zone in that injured site's a little bit, it's hard to just try on your own. You probably need the right advice. You probably need to work out how to interpret the right symptoms. You probably need a coach and a bit of guidance just to put you on the path give you the right direction. Yeah. And in your book too, I really appreciated the talk about a baseline because I know that minimizing pain as much as possible is absolutely a goal, especially with the people I work with too. But when you are active, when you are an athlete, when you are a person who uses and moves their body frequently, injuries are going to happen. But having that baseline, so you can also just like, how are we today? Is it better? Is it worse? And then like you're talking about that adaptation zone, modifying it according to that is so helpful. Mm, Yeah. I always talk about baseline symptoms when injured, because if someone's had an injury for say more than two weeks, you know, your baseline might not be zero. You know, you might have an Achilles pain, Achilles tendinopathy, where You know, you wake up in the morning and it's like a one or a two out of 10 and it's sort of stiff for about 30 minutes and then it settles down. And without any particular aggravating factors, if you've backed off your running, your strength training, all that sort of stuff, those symptoms still lingering day to day. So that would be like your baseline. And 
when you start reintroducing things, we want to make sure that things have returned back to baseline. And so we sort of have some pain guidelines during activity, certain pain guidelines after activity and the next day to ensure that you're still on that path. And, you know, interpreting those symptoms could just make sure you are staying within that zone of adaptation. Yeah. Which again, I find it to be so helpful because if we don't understand what's going on in the body, like any sensation is scary. So I appreciate, you know, the work that you're doing too, to be like, it's not to be ignored, but you don't also just have to like, you know, park the car in the driveway and wait till that oil leak fixes itself. Cause like, that's not actually how things work, but using your training and your body and also your own, it's not even intuition, but just like paying attention to the sensations that come up and addressing them as they go rather than just waiting it out. Yeah. And it can be confusing at times. Like if you have, say, again, that Achilles tendinopathy, if you start running, it might be painful for the first couple of minutes. It might be the pain might increase to a three out of 10 for the first two minutes. But as the tendon warms up, the pain subsides. And we know this as like this inhibition effect, this warm up effect that tendons tend to have. And that can lead people astray. They can say, oh, look, my pain during the run is zero. Like it can go from a three to a zero in, you know, five, 10 minutes of warming up. And then they're like, fantastic. This gives me the green light to continue. But then afterwards, the pain sorts, the stiffness comes back. And then the next morning you're sort of limping and hobbling up and downstairs because you've done too much. And so mm-hmm. it's really important that you pay attention to those snapshots in time. Yes, pain during activity is good to pay attention to, but it's not the only thing you can pay attention to. You need all those other pieces of the puzzle to you know, get a global picture of whether what you're doing is working or not. Yeah, that's so fascinating too of, you know, so many things are happening when you're running, obviously like the endorphins and like, you know, movement that are going to kind of dampen those pain signals to potentially, I don't even think it's like lead you astray. It's sort of like a biological response. You're running and you have pain. Well, obviously we need to keep running because this is serving a purpose. Like, does that also happen with other sorts of, you know, I'm thinking like a strength training workout or something like that. Do you see that happen there as well? It depends on the structure. If we're, if we're focusing on tendons, For some reason, tendons love load and they enjoy particularly something that's slow and heavy that can have what we call an analgesic effect. The analgesic effect is just a a reduction in pain and that can happen during exercise. Like I've had people have tendinopathies where you slowly load that tendon in the gym and it just gets better. Like between set one to set two to the third set, like the pain goes from five to three to one. And it's only because Mm. the tendons themselves just really enjoy that slow, heavy load. And Mm -hmm. while you're not getting that slow, heavy load during running, a similar analgesic effect can happen. Sometimes with muscles that can happen, um, it tends, the phenomenon tends to be more pronounced in tendons, but you can definitely have injuries that get worse as things warm up. Like if you have say a muscle tear, or if you have a bone stress injury, or sometimes ligament injuries or a ITB syndrome is a classic example of something that gets worse the more you do it. So Mm -hmm. you might start off pain-free, but then halfway through the run, pain creeps on and then that pain intensity actually progressively just gets worse the more and more you run. So it does depend on the tissue and the actual injury itself. You mean it's more nuanced than just like yes or no? (laughs) 
Uh, so disappointing. But yeah, that was my experience too with IT band issues is I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm not fine. I'm really not fine. And like, oh, I'm definitely not fine. But you know, I was 16 playing soccer in high school. I was like, I don't know what's happening. All of a sudden I'm like, I can't walk. Mm. But yes, like, again, there's nuance, which also, as you've mentioned already, is why working with someone who can help you navigate this nuance and who has more experience is so super helpful. As great as the internet is, it's faster and better with a coach. <laughs> yeah. And th- because there is such nuance, but if you want to dive deep into one specific scenario, you could probably educate yourself, you know, 80% of what you need to do. But what I like to do, I like to direct runners, educate themselves with, you know, the book, the podcast and those sorts of things. But mm-hmm. if you try everything and you're still not getting better, definitely get it checked out. Um, yeah. I mentioned in my book, you, if you educate yourself, implement the right tools, and you're still not seeing a significant improvement week by week, that long-term trend, get it sorted out straight away because there might be something you're missing. Um, it might be you might not have diagnosed it properly. You might There might be something in your management that you're just not seeing that's contributing to that, um, and you just might need a bit, someone who's had a bit more experience. But I've seen people... People reach out to me and say, Brody, you're doing yourself a disservice being an online physio, but I've listened to your episodes and I've, I'm better now. Like I haven't needed your services. I've just listened to the episodes and that's all I've needed. And I'm like, that's where I want to position myself. I kind of, I'm happy when that happens because mm-hmm. that's what the content's aimed to do. So it can happen, but again, sometimes in some scenarios it doesn't happen and you need that extra bit of advice. Yeah. I love getting feedback like that. They're like, and you know, it, it feels better. I'm like, that's amazing. Like, mm-hmm. that's so cool. The number one question I get within the comments and my DMs and my emails is, I have this issue, what should I do for it? And I get when you've tried icing and you've tried stretching and they're not really working, you probably are looking for a simple program that you can do on your own that actually works. And that's exactly why I put together the Mobility Mastery Toolkit. The toolkit includes 30 days of exercises so you know exactly what to do to improve the mobility of your hips, your lower back, your feet, your neck, and your shoulders. Plus, it comes with video demos for every single exercise and a full body mobility workout calendar so you can check it off. And again, you don't have to think about what to do. You just get it done. And with all of those resources, you're just 15 minutes a day from feeling stronger and more flexible. As a Body Nerd Show listener, you can save 50% off when you use the code MASTERY at mobilitytoolkit.co. That's right. Use the code MASTERY, M-A-S-T-E-R-Y, at mobilitytoolkit.co. And then keep me posted how it goes. Another thing you talked about too, like we just touched upon, but I want to go deeper into it, is this concept of uh, rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation. And you shared from the research another kind of model called peace and love. Can you talk a little bit more about why ice and like anti-inflammatories for an injury may not necessarily be the best approach? Sure. So most people are familiar with the rice analogy when it comes to say first aid or like acute injuries. And sometimes people just do it for any injury. So rest, (laughs) ice, compress, elevate. So you're resting the area, maybe put some ice on it to help things settle down, compress it with some stockings to reduce the amount of fluid, and then elevate it above the level of your heart to reduce the the blood flow going to that area. And it can be okay for a certain amount of injuries, like an acute, say, rolled ankle 
maybe might have some effect for only a couple of days, but you know, you really want to draw away from that, particularly in my sphere when it comes to running related injuries where they're not acute. It's not like a, a trauma-based injury. A lot of it mm-hmm. is overuse injuries. And mm-hmm. like I said before, sometimes rest will just foster further weakness. And that's exactly what we don't want to do, which is the first letter of that acronym. So we want to make sure that there's getting the right information with other injury management advice. And so this is where research has come out. A new acronym that has peace and love and the peace side of it sort of categorizes those acute trauma-based injuries. But the love side of it is, okay, let's get things moving. So with peace, we have protect. So that's pretty much if needed, you can you know take yourself away from any aggravating activities. So if stairs are really painful, if sitting for a long period of time is really painful, you know, for the short term, you sort of want to remove all those irritants. Elevate, less research has been done to show its effectiveness, but they just put it in there anyway, because it doesn't have much harm. And so Mm -hmm. if it does a little bit, you can probably keep it in. But like I said, this is only for a couple of days if it's really sore. The A in peace is avoid anti-inflammation medication. And most of the stuff we want, like the body has a good response reaction when it comes to an injury. If there is some sort of inflammation going on, the inflammation is actually really helpful to heal that injury. And so if you take anti-inflammation medication, you're sort of inhibiting that process. And so it's you know probably best that you let the body do what it wants to do. And when it comes to overuse injuries, when it's not trauma-based and has all that inflammatory stuff, because if you have a tendon pain, the primary driver isn't inflammation. And so we don't want to take anti-inflams for those sort of scenarios anyway. And there has been research to show that anti-inflams are quite bad for structure, the the tendon structure itself. If taken Mm -hmm. long-term, it actually is detrimental to the tendon structure. So it's doing the opposite effect. But the the other C and E is compress and educate. So compression is similar to elevation, not a lot of research behind it. If it does do something, it does a little bit, but again, no harm in doing it anyway. So that's why it's still in there. And educate. Educate is the the E in peace. And that's educating about the injury, educating about what you need to do, setting yourself up a plan moving forward, um, what to remove, uh, what irritants to remove, what things to, to put in. And the education side of it's massive. But that whole piece acronym that I've just gone through might only be needed for a couple of days if it's a trauma-based injury. But for most running-related injuries, we can skip that straight away and go to love. So the peace and love, we've got L-O-V-E, which is more fostering the active side of things. Let's get you back into finding that adaptation zone and building you back up. So L is load, finding a sensible load, talking about that adaptation sweet spot. It might Mm -hmm. be running, it might be reduced amount of running. If it's not running, it's cross-training. If it's not cross-training, it's slow amounts of rehab or strength training, whatever you can tolerate and pay attention to those symptoms. O is optimism. And we know that there's a huge correlation between fear of moving or like catastrophizing a particular injury, the thoughts and feelings and all those sorts of things that are attributed to injuries. The worse those outcomes or the more pessimistic you are, the longer Mm -hmm. the delay will be. So reassurance, Mm -hmm. this comes back to the education side as well. If you can reassure someone, you know, your knee pain isn't from 
maltracking. It's not the the kneecap that's getting pulled away from its joint space and causing all this threatening language. If you can just say to them, look, you've just got an overloaded knee. Um, we just need to find your sweet spot and build you back up. It's reassurance and mm-hmm. you can remain positive and optimistic for your recovery. So that's O. The L, uh, the V for love is vascularization and is just exercise, getting the heart pumping. So it might not be directly correlated to, let's just say, your knee. You might go swimming. It doesn't really have much load. It's not really strengthening or weakening the knee, but it's just getting the blood pumping and getting you exercising, which is very, very important. And that's the the E side of things is just exercise. So combining all this love, optimism, the vascularization and exercise is just trying to encourage people to start getting back into activity and you return a lot quicker than doing something that's just rest and seeing how things go. And so that is a comprehensive kind of analysis and I've mentioned it in my book and it's something that a lot of injured people need to really recognize. Yeah, I think even like the optimism part of it is such a big thing that a lot of people don't think about. You know, I was recently working with a client who had more of a chronic type of knee pain. And when things started to get better, they were still like, oh, no, but like, I'm looking for it to hurt. And I was like, yeah. So, you know, because pain is not just a structural thing, it's also being perceived within your brain. If you're still looking for it, you will find what you're still looking for. So let's redirect to think of something else instead. And that ended up being super, super helpful for at least getting over that like next hump, you know? I had a interesting case scenario where I was working in a private practice clinic and I had this middle-aged gentleman come in with severe knee pain and he'd had it for several months. And when he got up from the the patient, uh, from the, the waiting area, he physically held his kneecap in place as he stood up because he was fearful of his kneecap falling out of place when he moved because he'd been told that his, um, his kneecap was malaligned and mispositioned and it would dislocate if you move a certain way or um, if the ITB is too tight or the quads are too weak, the kneecap would fall out of place. And so he was in a lot of pain and in a lot of fear about movement. And all it took was one session of just reassurance, getting him to do some wall sits, like half range of movement wall sits where he could just activate the quad and kind of build up the confidence. And he didn't turn up to his next appointment and I gave him a call and he was significantly better. And I said, (laughs) okay, um, that's fantastic. He's like, yeah, I don't think I need it. I'm like, well, let me touch base in a couple of weeks. So I gave him another call in a couple of weeks and he was completely better. And I'm just like the power of just like reassuring someone and saying, you know what? It's not your kneecap malpositioned. You've had the same anatomy your entire life. The only time it got sore was because you overloaded it. And then Mm -hmm. that, rationalization just helps calm down the mind and calm down that fear. And then the brain settles down and then the pain settles down. So it goes to show how powerful it can be. Mm-hmm. That is so, that's awesome. But yeah, I mean, like we've already talked about too, of just when you understand more about the sensations that are going on and not even like the whole picture, but like, what's that next best step I can take, whether it's listening to a podcast episode about, you know, exactly that thing you can do so much to help your body feel better. And I think more people just need to learn it. And the information's available, but sometimes like we don't even know where to start because there's also like so many different avenues that you could get it from. Yeah. And different information, like 
contradictory information as well. Like mm-hmm. you might listen to a podcast that says, oh, yeah, every time you get knee pain, it's because your kneecap's maltracking and you need to release your ITB and you need to strengthen up this little VMO muscle in your knee to help stabilize it. <laughs> and you might also read a blog that says, oh, I just had a um, a cortisone injection and or a PRP injection that made my knee significantly better. And then there's another, you know, podcast that says, oh, no, PRP hasn't been shown to be effective whatsoever. And so you're just confused because there is so many mm-hmm. different opinions, so many different ways to interpret research, so many different, you know, um, success stories because people have so many different varies amount of success and different stories mm-hmm. to tell. You can pull people in the wrong direction, but um, that's why you sort of start with little experiments. Don't go off for surgery and injections and all that serious stuff. Try educating yourself a little bit. Try seeing if making little adjustments helps. Um, and like I say, find find someone that you trust and you know, and then feel free to reach out to them if you're not getting better. And then you can sort of take that next step, that proactive step with a bit more guidance. Yeah. A hundred percent. I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> to all of that. Now I know we've touched upon this a little bit, but like, do you have some guidelines or suggestions for that decision of should I run or should I rest? Because I know there's always some scenarios in which rest is completely applicable. So mm. what should like, what's my mental checklist before I head out for my workout or for my run? If I have an injury. There are certain tests, like let's just say you have a severe injury and you're you're wondering if you can tolerate certain, like even just low volumes of running. Um, There are certain tests that you can do, like hopping on the spot for 30 to 60 seconds. If you can do that, then you probably can tolerate some low volumes of running. If there is pain during that test, we want to make sure it's less than a 3 out of 10, so a 0, 1, or a 2 out of 10. We want to make sure it doesn't get worse throughout that particular um, test. And then when you get back into running, you might want to start with a walk run routine. So you might want to walk for a minute and then run for a minute or just a slow jog for a minute. And then just again, pay attention to symptoms and see how that feels. And for some injuries, I can say uh, you can bring the pain up to a four out of 10, depending on the injury, but we want to make sure that we're following those snapshots in time. So hopping is great. Doing some walk runs is great. And if you're following those symptoms over during the activity, after the next day and everything's responding well and things are back to baseline, then you continue progressing. If you're suspecting a bone stress injury or a stress fracture, we don't really want to test it out. Um, that's usually the exception to the rule where rest is applicable and we we really need to let the, the turnover of bone to start healing itself. And that's usually... Di- it's usually diagnosed with scans. Um, if you suspect it, if it fits a similar profile or similar characteristic to a stress fracture, you wouldn't really want to just see how you go. You'd want to get that assessed pretty straight away um, because mm-hmm. the severity of continuing to run on a stress fracture, that that outcome is very, very poor and can get quite serious. And so that's why we, we check those out. Um, but most other running-related injuries is just testing things out. And I will say as well, my other advice for trying a certain volume of running and paying attention to those snapshots in time, the during activity after the next day, is you also need to be honest with yourself and see over a longer period of time, is it getting better week by week? And Mm -hmm. I mentioned this in the book, but most people fail to interpret how what the long-term trend is. They just look day by day and running session by running session say, yeah, I had three good running sessions. And then the fourth one's like, oh, you know, 
probably not the best. And you had two good weeks in a row followed by a flare-up week. And then you really need to pay attention week by week. Is the trend on the improve? Because you can't just run, you say, okay, Brody said uh, I need to have pain of less than a four out of 10 and needs to return back to baseline the next day. I've been doing that and following those rules and passing those guidelines and I've been doing this for four months. If it's not getting better week by week, then there is something that needs to change. There's something in your management or your strength training or rehab or volumes or your shoes or, you know, there's so many different variations that could be going on that need to be modified if you're not seeing those improvements. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I also just talking with the client about this of like, I have a little journal, you know, to keep tabs of things that I make for clients as well. For that exact reason, it's like we get so focused on just like this moment. And this is how it feels in this moment that you miss the bigger picture. And that's so, so, so helpful to also, is this working? Yes or no? Do I need to change? Do I need to call in the big guns or mm. continue on this path? So yeah, that's amazing advice. And writing things down can just be so helpful because people really struggle like three days ago. How did you feel when you woke up? Like, what was your symptoms like? How long did it last for? Um, you, you'd have no idea. And if you did have a general idea, the odds of it being inaccurate is quite high. And so <laughs> writing things down and then just following a trend. Like I do the same. I work with runners. I have a, a spreadsheet that we follow. We share that same document together and say, hey, look, you you sat for more than five hours, three days in a row. And now you have like high hamstring soreness. It's mm-hmm. um, it's not the training. It was the sitting that you did. You had to drive. You had a long haul drive and then you had a flight and all those sorts of things. And you won't pick that up unless, you know, you sort of document what's happened. And um, if you're only just honing in on things like running, there might be something else outside of the running that's contributing to it not getting better or contributing to it getting worse. Mm-hmm. So what kind of things are you guys looking at? Like sitting, workouts, is sleep in there as well? Like step count? What else are you looking at? It depends on the injury. Like if someone has plantar fasciitis, we can look at their footwear. We can look at how many steps they take per day. It might not just be running, but it'd be like the overall steps that have accumulated. It might be how mm-hmm. long they've stood still because we know that can contribute to, you know, high sort of loads through that area. Um, if it is like a proximal hamstring tendinopathy or pain like around the sitting bones, uh, definitely it's sitting. It's seeing how, what sitting surface they have. But if someone has Achilles tendinopathy, we're not really worried about sitting too much. Um, mm-hmm. But particularly for those who have high training volumes or those who have chronic pain or those who have high pain severity or those who have a lot of stress, we're definitely looking at the the wellness side of things. We're looking at their stress levels. We're looking at their, their thought patterns. We're looking at their sleep. We're looking at their nutrition um, just to make sure that Yes, you can have a painful area, but the pain sensitivity can change based on those other circumstances. So there could be no change to your injury whatsoever, but you can have a flare up or have a really painful day if those other things existing that contribute to a heightened sensitivity of pain. So poor sleep, increased stress. Um, We talked about diet at the start, like all these Mm -hmm. sorts of things can have a, a direct impact and if we're not finding much of a correlation to symptoms and their external loads, if someone's had a a big flare-up of their plantar fasciitis, but their footwear stayed the same, their steps have stayed the same, their standing has stayed the same, there's no real correlation there, but they did notice that 
they've just had family dramas or a lack of sleep or a job promotion that's really stressful or a death in the family or moving house and all these sorts of scenarios, and it sort of ties in with that, then we need to explore further. Mm-hmm. You mean it's not as simple as just addressing the structural stuff going on? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. And this is why I have about 250 episodes of my podcast so far because there's just so much to dive into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a never-ending well for sure. <laughs> um, so tell us more too about your podcast and where people can find the book and where you're hanging out on the internet. Sure. So um, they can search the Run Smarter podcast. Um, if they're injured or if they want to reduce their risk of injury, I usually recommend listening to the first 10 episodes first. So that covers 10 universal principles to reduce or overcome injury, which follows a very similar template to the first part of the book. So the book is Run Smarter and they have it's either principles in part one to reduce your risk of injury or part two if you want to increase your running performance, which I've sort of working and talking to so many runners, they're kind of like the two main desires that people have. So I've structured the book in that way. Um, it's available in any online uh, book store. So Amazon, um, Booktopia, those sorts of things. And yeah, you can check those out. I've also just started a YouTube channel, which I'm having a lot of fun with. So if you want to search Run Smarter with Brody Sharp and that will come up and you can start absorbing some other Run Smarter content more visually than anything else. Awesome. And thank you so much too. Like I seriously have so much to like think about and I'm excited to like continue to dive into your book and to research and also just acknowledging too, it's like, yeah, the body is so nuanced and complicated and there's so many things going on that like, it's never just one thing and there's no such thing as a quick fix. So just keep on moving on, you know? (laughs) Well said. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Brody, for spending the time educating us and nerding out with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Literally mind blown. The peace and love versus rice, which is so entrenched in the, not just wellness, but even the medical space. Like I even have a shirt from my college days working as an athletic trainer that says rice because that's what we did. That's what we understood. So I love that there's a new model based in research that we can use. That is essentially what I've been doing with clients too. So that's always helpful. But I hope that for you too, that you have, again, a clearer path of what that next best step is that you can take so that you can run smarter, you can get back to workouts, you can continue building strength, and most importantly, do all of those with less pain. So I'd love to hear what your biggest takeaway was from today's episode. What was the thing that made you go, whoa, or like that like brain exploding emoji? It's one of my favorites. Whatever that was, hit me up. You can send me a DM on Instagram. I'm at Hala Framala. You can call the Body Nerd Hotline at 818-396-6501. You can leave me a comment on TikTok at AE Wellness or just head on over to aewellness.com slash podcast. That's where you're gonna find all of the links and resources and things that we talked about on today's episode. And really all things podcast related are there at aewellness.com slash podcast. Now, if you are like the really giving type and you're really grateful for what you have learned in the Body Nerd Show, the best thing you can do is to subscribe and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to today's episode on. Or you can share it with somebody 
who needs to hear this. Maybe your running partner or your friend. I don't know, but thank you. Thank you for taking the time to do that. It honestly makes a big difference. I know it seems really small and insignificant, but it makes a huge difference and I really, really appreciate it. So here's asking better questions, moving more, not icing and getting nerdy. And thank you for helping me spread the word that your body is super cool and you, my friend, can change the unchangeable. I'll talk to you next week. Pain stops you in your tracks and body work is one of the fastest and most effective ways to deal with it. I've put together a free PDF with the six places you need to roll right now for quick relief. Plus, the reason why what you've tried so far has only given you a temporary fix. So whether it's back pain, plantar fasciitis, neck tension, shoulder pain, or tight hips, I've got you covered. And when you download it now, I'll also send you some video demos to get you started even faster. Head on over to aewellness.com slash bodywork, that's B-O-D-Y-W-O-R-K, to get started today.